Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. Very early on, I realized when people get to help you, you're doing a favor for them because they light up. They want to show up for you. That makes them feel like they have a purpose. And I think that's something that you can gift someone. When you ask for help, you're gifting someone an opportunity to do something that makes them feel good. In this episode of the Meta Performance Show, you're about to meet Angel Trinidad. I first described Angel as a self-made millionaire and she quickly corrected me. And that correction is one of the things I loved about my conversation with Angel. She is a CEO and founder of Passion Planner, a planner that not only helps you know what to do, but more importantly, why to do. The team at Passion Planner love making tools you can use to empower yourself to live your ideal life. Their flagship product went from four sales a day to 4,000 sales a day overnight. And in this conversation, Angel tells the story of how that happened. We talk about learning entrepreneurship from her aunt and what to look for in mentors, her first failed business, why most businesses fail, the secret to great marketing that most people ignore, what it's really like to lead a fast-growing company, why planners matter, joy as a secret sauce of productivity, Angel's morning routines and how they've changed over time, her current experiments in creating a company culture, mistakes and learnings in hiring and firing, how to hack learning, and more. Enjoy the show. The wait is finally over. Our new book, Beyond High Performance, What Great Coaches Know About How the Best Get Better, is available for purchase wherever books are sold. We are so excited to put our proprietary framework that's helped thousands of leaders achieve more into your hands. And we can't wait to see how you'll use the book to enhance your life and leadership. To learn more and obtain this essential resource for yourself, visit novus.global book. We have the one, the only, the wonderful Angel Trinidad. Thank you for being on our show. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Yeah, and people heard about you in the bumper at the beginning, but just to say it again, so essentially, this is the words I'm going to use. I don't know if you use this phrase specifically, but a self-made millionaire in your 20s. Is that accurate? Yeah. So I actually call myself a community-made millionaire. I became a community-made millionaire when I was 23 because of Kickstarter. Actually, before we go to that, you said you started your first company when you were 22. Passion Planner started when you were 22. Your first company was before that. And I would love to hear more about that because on the podcast, we not only like talking about people's wonderful successes and how they keep reinventing themselves, but it's also kind of nice to hear when things don't go according, if you pardon the expression, according to plan. So can you tell us a little bit about how that first company went for, <laughs> for us? Um, yeah. So actually, it started because... In 2012, I graduated from UCLA. I started my company because I graduated from UCLA and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was really lost. I am a first-generation Filipina person. My parents immigrated from the Philippines and they really wanted to be me to be a nurse or a doctor. Yes. And I went to UCLA. And my first two years, I was a pre-med major and it was really challenging and I did pretty well, but I found that it was getting harder and harder because I was competing with people that loved it, that really were just so passionate about medicine. That was what they have told everyone that's asked them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And for me, I was like, I like science, I'm good at it, but I'm not passionate about it. And my second year, I decided to change my major to art without telling my parents. And <laughs> I was kind of a rebel. <laughs> and I changed my major, didn't tell them, they weren't pleased. I took it upon myself to just apply to as many scholarships as possible while working in the sculpture lab. I would be the person that taught people how to like use a chop saw without chopping off their fingers. No yeah. fingers were lost while I was employed. Thank goodness. Nice. Then I graduated with a degree in art and a minor in arts education. And my mom was like, okay, now go find a real job. And I didn't want to do that. I had been working for my aunt for seven years in a wedding flower shop. And we were mm -hmm. doing sometimes 12 weddings in a day. In a day. What? <laughs> and I started working for her in my teens. And I was like taking consultations. Like when I started taking consultations, I was probably like 16. Huh. And I remember they would walk in and I would seat them. I would get my notebook and I'd sit down with them and they'd be like, so when is the force going to be? I'm like, I'm the force. And I was like so young. Yeah. But by the end of the conversation, they would be asking me, hey, do you want to be my wedding planner? I'm like, I'm 16. <laughs> I want to slow down there because there's some really good stuff that you're saying. And I want to make sure our audience gets it, especially, especially our younger audiences, but anyone who's really changing in careers. So one is just a note that at least I've heard you said in other interviews that 
your aunt really was the one who introduced you to the concept of entrepreneurialism. Like she was kind of your entrepreneur archetype. Is that right? I guess what she taught me was what makes a good business, Hmm. but also what doesn't make a good business. And I think that I learned so many skills from her in terms of if you want to do something, just do it. She started her wedding flower shop because she had gifted something to her boss who was uh, retiring and she did she knew she couldn't cook. So she designed this silk flower arrangement, which is like fig flowers. And everyone mm-hmm. was like, hey, I love that arrangement. Can you make me one for my house? And she said, sure. And soon people were asking and she met my uncle at a bar and they started mm-hmm. dating and he would drive her up to LA in his van and she would make flower arrangements in the back of the van while coming down for weddings. Like it was that hectic. And the shop that I worked in for so long was actually like three shops down from the bar that they met at. <laughs> so yeah, I learned so much about just seeing something saying, why not? Why not me? Why not yeah. me do it? And also like how much money you can make in a weekend. <laughs> like to me, I was like, Oh wait, so people's average salaries are like fifty, sixty thousand dollars and my aunt's flower shop is making tens of thousands of dollars. Like it doesn't make any sense. So very early on, I was like, I can just work the summers and then take the rest of the year off and like travel and see the world and write. And that was my dream. That was my dream coming out of college, actually. So coming out of college, I wanted to travel and write and potentially start a small business, which comes to my first business, which is called the Macron Studio, which yeah. is when I make French macarons and shoot photography. So the Macron Studio, like macarons and photo studio. <laughs> and nice. these are just two skills that I had picked up. And my idea was that I'd work during the summers and then I'd travel and write the rest of the year. And a week after I started the company, I realized I hated baking. <laughs> I hated it so much, especially macarons. I don't know if anyone has baked macarons, but they're really difficult. They're really finicky. And I had only $6 left in my bank account after buying a mixer, after just buying random stuff. And I was really lucky because one of my friend's friend's friends was starting a Filipino bakery. And they said, hey, if you want to bake in the evenings, you can. And if you sell your macarons at our shop, we'll give you a part of the proceeds. So that was awesome. But I realized I hated baking and (laughs) I was... So frustrated with myself because I've been always told from all of my coaches, like quitters never win. My, my favorite basketball coach, my varsity basketball coach always said, quitters never win and winners never quit. And yeah, yeah. that stuck with me because I looked up to him and I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to not be a winner. Yeah. <laughs> so I stuck it out for nine months. And the quickest way to depression, I believe, is doing something that you hate every mm. single day for your job. And mm. very quickly, I started to develop double vision. I start, my hair started falling out. I couldn't mm. sleep. And my mom could tell I wasn't really happy. Actually, I asked her, I was like, mom, like, tell me what to do. For the first time in my life, I'm asking her, mm. tell me what to do. I am. <laughs> She's been I'm, waiting for this moment her whole life. for this moment. And I had run down the stairs because I heard the garage opening. I ran down the stairs and I see her because she was probably one of the only people I would see during the day because I didn't want to see anyone. I felt like so shitty about my life. I thought I had peaked and it was just all of these things were happening in my head. And she's about to go to her job. She's a nurse. And she was like a knock, which means child. I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to figure it out. And I was like, <laughs> the worst advice me. ever. Just tell me what to do. You are like, you raised four kids when my dad was in the Navy. Like, you are someone that is so good at telling people what to do. This is like your <laughs> your skill. <laughs> and she um, didn't. That was kind of a blessing in disguise because a few, I think like a couple of months after that, it had been nine months since I started the Macaron Studio. My family went on vacation because my mom's a nurse. She only gets two two weeks of vacation throughout the year. So we had a week to go to Hawaii and we went and I didn't have to bake for a week. And mm. not having to bake made me realize life is so much better when you're not doing something that you hate every day. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I got to quit. I got to quit. And I had been thinking about other businesses to start and I took out a piece of paper and I really thought about the things that really helped me in my life. And I knew that I really wanted to help people. And it was always a planner. It was always a planner. A planner helped me organize my thoughts. It helped me vent everything circulating in my brain onto paper. It 
was like this safe space for me to express myself, to plan, to reflect, to remind myself. And I was that person that would buy six, seven planners annually and then try mm-hmm. to figure out which one I liked the most. I was just dissatisfied with the planners on the market because they were all very focused on what to do, but not why you were doing it and not thinking about, well, what is the big picture goal for your life? What does your li- ideal lifestyle look like? How can we reverse engineer that? And by the time I had graduated from UCLA, I had already listened to 150 self-help books because it was just something that I did during the drives up and down from San Diego. I was dating a girl in San Diego and I would always have to drive home like maybe at least every other weekend. So I listen to audiobooks maybe two to three times as fast. If I'm re-listening to it, then it's Uh 3.5. I know probably people listening to this podcast are probably listening to this like twice as fast. I had listened to so many books and I started noticing patterns in what people were thinking about when it came to productivity, when it came to designing your life. And I was like, why isn't there a bridge between all of this information and actually putting it into practice? Like, because people always give you exercises and tell you to do these things. And I'm like, 95% of people aren't going to do it because they are listening to a book. And I think if you want people to do an activity, you need a space for them to do it. And a planner I thought was perfect because it was this place that they would have every single day that was accessible, that they would look at every single day. And I was like, this is the perfect place. So I took all of the things that I wanted in a planner and I took out Photoshop, which I didn't know. I didn't know InDesign even existed. I didn't know that you design things in InDesign. I just knew how to use Photoshop because that's what I used for photo editing. And I also, you don't even, you're not even supposed to use that. You're supposed to use Lightroom. I don't know. I didn't know any of this. <laughs> and then I used Word and I made the file and I Googled a notebook manufacturer, found a notebook manufacturer. And I use the same notebook manufacturer to this day, actually. We've grown up together. The person that I contacted, we've been in touch for almost 10 years now. And like, we, I used to talk to her and be like, how's life in China? Like, how's it going over there? You know? And it was just really cool. But yeah, so I launched it on Kickstarter. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) Okay. We're going. (laughs) You're going. That's good. That's good. I want to back up a little bit because one is that I noticed a shift from the first business to the second business where you really, and I even, I heard you said in another interview where you said, um, I got sick of doing things that weren't helpful. I really wanted to help people and and make something that was useful. And I mentioned that because so many people now, you know, we're in the middle of the great resignation and more people are quitting their jobs than ever before, which is exciting in a lot of ways. But also sometimes when you're thinking about business ideas, they think, you know, what the only question they tend to ask is, what would I enjoy? And Mm -hmm. now with the macaroon thing, that wasn't, (laughs) wasn't enjoyable for you. But sometimes I, I think people do stop to ask what has helped me or what would really help other people and building your business around that. And one of the things that struck me around with you is you've done both. You found something that you love. Your affection for planners is wonderfully quirky. Like it's very specific, you know, like you are, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, and I mean, this is a compliment. Your planner snobbery was the a filter, right? Like you're a connoisseur. That's probably a better way to say yeah, it. Yeah, I'm a connoisseur of paper. I'm a connoisseur of pens. I'm a connoisseur of color. I'm a, like, I love design. Like I love art. Like I think business is a creative way to solve other people's problems with a unique solution that usually is a really great investment because maybe it adds a hundred dollars worth of value, but it costs $10. Like if you use a planner and you use it consistently and it changes your life, for example, one of, I hosted an event yesterday about goal setting and I asked people what have they accomplished using their planner? And someone was like, I got my PhD with my planner. Another person said, I bought a house with my planner. Another person said, I left a toxic uh, marriage and I left the abuse of an abusive partner. Another person had DM'd me a year ago where he had got into a gang fight and he used his planner in the hospital to restructure his whole life. So to me, it was like, yes, there's utility in a planner, but I think what it really is, is it's hope for a better future for yourself, a better life for yourself. And I think for me, if I had to choose any problem to solve, I would hope that it's something that is exponential in the ROI, you know? And also I think that life is so finite. There's so little time that you have on this planet that there are an infinite amount of businesses you can start. You know, like I come up with a business idea almost every week, but I have to ask myself, is this worth 
the years of my life that I have because I don't have very many years of life. And also the people that I'm going to enlist into this mission also are trading their precious life. Like for me, one of the biggest investments that I've made is my staff. They get this thing called a passion week where they get a week to travel once a year. It's a paid week. They travel, they get a stipend of a thousand to three thousand dollars each year. They get an extra thousand dollars to just explore a passion that they have and just take some pictures, tell us how it went and see if we can potentially make a new product from it. But honestly, just enjoy your life. And everyone has a 401k. Everyone has full benefits. Everyone gets paid rest days. We have a flexible schedule. By next year, we want to have a four hour work week. Like all those things cost hundreds of thousands of dollars every single year. You know, like I think I probably have spent like probably close to a million dollars on Passion Weeks. If you think about every year that we've done it and we've been around for almost 10 years. Yeah, I was going to say, this is your your 10th anniversary. Thank you. Coming up. Yeah, and and, you know, that's a milestone. So now uh, we can go back to the early days. So, so, you know, you're 10 years in and you've got like around 30 employees, something like that? Yep. Yep, around 30 employees, wonderfully invested in and well-loved employees. That's very exciting. And thanks for sharing some of the things you've been doing around that. But it didn't start that way. It started with a, a, beta, a beta prototype and a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. The first planner that came in had 20, 26 typos in it. I have ADHD <laughs> and I also have dyslexia. And trying to make a planner with so many words by yourself, because we have quotes and challenges on each page, was hard. And I was like, just don't mess with the dates. Just don't mess with the dates. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to shoot this Kickstarter video. I shot it with a friend from high school and we launched it. And in 30 days, raised $48,000 from my parents' garage. And it was yeah. amazing. I was like, whoa. I made, we did it. This is incredible. And then pretty much operated for my parents' garage for about a year and then launched another version of Passion Planner, which was just a half size. The first one was about the size of a sheet of paper. Mm -hmm. And we launched on a Kickstarter and I had burnt myself out making the Kickstarter, shooting the video and all that stuff that I wanted to go camping. So I went camping and on my way up to the mountains, one of my employees called me and was like, hey, we made $100,000 today. And we have like almost a hundred thousand emails. And I was like, what? (laughs) And she was like, yeah, but those are gone. And I was like, how are they gone? And she was like, Google closed down our first email. So our first email is passionplanner at Uh gmail.com. And they closed it down because we had an autoresponder and too many people were getting the autoresponded email because on our Kickstarter, we said, if you share this Kickstarter anywhere and just let us know that you did, we'll send you the free PDF. And we had set it up so that the PDF would just ping back to anyone that sent us an email and they close it down. So we're like, whoops. And (laughs) I'm trying to tell her like, go in the back end of Squarespace and do this thing and move this thing and like add this other link and just put the link to the PDF there. So we don't have to do the email back and forth thing. And she was like, okay, I don't know how to do any of this. I'm like, it's okay. I'm going to walk you through it. I have like maybe like 45 minutes left of service until I'm like going to be too far. And she handled it. It was fine. She still works for me. Shout out to Chelsea. And then I went into the mountains for a few days and I came back and I checked the Kickstarter and every single day for those three days, we made $100,000. Yeah. And it topped out like what, 600 some thousand? Yeah. By the end of it, we raised $650,000 with the help of 23,000 yeah. people, which was wild. That's incredible. And congratulations. Hi, my name is Mike Park, and I'm a proud graduate of the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. The faculty of the Meta Performance Institute not only provided the training, tools, and experience to learn how to coach people toward powerful growth and thrilling results, but also advocated for that kind of growth and results in my own life. I had the unique opportunity to have world-class executive coaches invest in my development, both professionally and personally. It's a privilege to be part of a tribe of coaches fiercely committed to exploring what we are capable of together. If you're looking to become a coach or to set up your coaching practice to reach the next level, I highly recommend the certification from the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching to fill out a free assessment of your abilities as a coach and to connect with someone to find out if the Meta Performance Institute is for you, check out www.mp.institute. And I'm curious, one of the things I've heard you talk about is the perks you chose and your kind of the psychology, I guess, of how you designed that and why it was so successful. And I'd love for you to tell our audience and again, there's going to be a theme that comes through this conversation. What about the perks and everything do you feel like made that such a viral thing for you? I like to operate from a place of extreme generosity. We've given 600,000 planners away to nonprofits, to schools, like 
thousands of nonprofits. And we've given $650,000 away to nonprofits as well, because some people don't need planners, they actually need money. And for me, I remember thinking, if I had this before, it would have changed my life. It would have helped me get through that post-grad depression a lot easier. It would have helped me clearly define my goals. Like I use this product to navigate my post-grad depression. I printed it out, stapled it in a manila folder and used it until the sample came, you know? Uh And I still tell people to do that if they can't afford a planner, just print it out. Print it out forever. It's okay. Because for me, I don't need to have like a $20 million company. Like I don't need to scale us up bigger. I don't need any more stress. I don't want to trade any more of my time on this planet for stress or for money. I have enough. And I think... Even in the beginning, it was interesting because I remember asking my friends, like, should I put the PDF out for free perpetually? And they were like, no, because then people wouldn't pay for it. And I was like, well, if one out of every million people bought the planner, I think I'd still make enough money to live. So I think I'm okay. Let's do it. Let's just give it away for free. And I think also if people can try it and it's a digital product, then why not? Like, I'm not paying per pixel that I'm sending someone. So I think it it worked out great in terms of from a marketing perspective, from an ROI perspective, and also just a karma perspective. I think that so many people, like millions of people have downloaded PDF and have used it. And even when we talk about the PDF, people will put in the chat box, like, I started with just using the PDF and it got me through grad school, you know? So to me, I think I have a very firm belief that you don't have to have everyone be your customer. Like you can help a lot of people, especially when you have a product that is virtual, which is the beauty of the internet. Yeah. And if I might say, I've noticed when I interview people, there's, there is a theme for those folks who are successful and, you know, I'm, you've got a lot of career ahead of you and I'm excited uh, to see the myriad of things that you continue to create and develop in the ways you add value in the world, whether you're getting paid for it or not. And you strike me as the kind of person who other people really love to help succeed. And I think there's a, there's an art to that. And there's a character to that, to where you know, you have such a wonderful disposition, you have such beautiful values, you know, and there is something about becoming the kind of person that when you take a risk, that when you get out there, people are like, I get to decide who I help win with my purchasing power in my life. And you're the kind of person who I would love to help win. And I think that adds a layer, if I may say, I think that adds a layer to your success. And my guess is one of the reasons why, you know, you and you love to help other people win. And that's probably why you love your your team so much and why I would imagine why they love you. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's that's really kind. There's a saying that like the purpose of life is to give it away. Like mm-hmm. and to give and to give love away. And not to go like super woo-woo, but I am a kind of woo-woo person. Like at the end of the day, I, I say this all the time to my friends. I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm gonna die with money. Like, let's just enjoy it. Actually, kind of a sad story, but one of my best friends who was my first employee ever, his name is Josh. He passed away from a stroke at 27. I was also mm-hmm. 27. And I got this phone call and they, his brother was like, hey, Josh had a stroke last night and he's been in the hospital. And do you have his medical insurance number? And I was like, yeah. So I gave it to him. And Josh was the person that was with me during the Macron studio when I couldn't, I was like, I can't pay you. I literally have no money. We can go to Del Taco next door and uh-huh. we can each get a dollar bean burrito. And we would do that, you know? And he was just this person that was so helpful and so kind and would do anything for me. Like, I remember how we would describe our friendship was we were we're fifth graders with cards and money. <laughs> uh, like, we would want to just go to the arcade or just go get some pho or just drive to L.A. to hang out in L.A. for a weekend. And that was pretty much our lifestyle. And I remember... When he passed away, I took a year-long sabbatical because I needed to reassess. Um, by that time, I had been running Passion Planner for four years. I had to reassess like stress. I had to reassess because virality is awesome, but it's also extremely stressful. It sucked. <laughs> you went from, sorry, you went from four planners a day to 4,000 planners a day. Is that right? Yeah, which if you ever try to package... 4,000 Christmas presents. Like if you imagine that doing that every day for like six months, that was what we were doing. You know, it was wild and it was so, so challenging. And Josh was with me through it all. 
And the stress, honestly, I think was one of the main factors of him having a stroke. And I mean, I'm sure there's other factors, but it made me take a break and think, what's the point? Like, if I can't enjoy it, if I'm going to treat my body so aggressively and treat myself like a machine, like I was eating Hot Pockets every day. Like (laughs) I had a bunk bed in my office. Like when you reach that scale so quickly with very little like logistics experience, it's wild. And also the port strikes happened. So the first batch of planners got delayed. They were sitting on the ocean with everything else that was rotting in the ocean. Yeah, you could probably go and look at them with the binoculars. You could probably like, hey, there are my planners. Probably. And we were telling people, hey, the planners are just sitting in the dock because all of the West Coast is on strike and we can't do anything about it. So I decided to remanufacture the planners, reship them via airmail. Mm-hmm. The shipping via airmail already cost like a, like $174,000. Yeah. And then I don't know if I really net profited very much that first year, but <laughs> I did what I needed to do to get people their planners and I still got cussed out on the internet. I still got (laughs) like hate mail. Accidentally hired a spy who tried to sabotage Patch Planner from the inside out, who took pictures of us working and they were just trying to like sabotage us from the inside out. They got the news to come in and do a report on us because people were just like unhappy about not getting their planners. And we were sending out Kickstarter updates almost every day about what the status of the port strikes and they ca- the news came in and out of everyone that was in the warehouse, they chose to interview my dad, who was just there to help. <laughs> so my dad, who's like this Filipino man, is just like, Angel's sleeping now. She came home at like 2 a.m. last night. <laughs> so that was kind of a rude awakening, I think, and also a traumatic experience. I've had a lot of traumatic experiences when it comes to business. And that has led me to make a lot of conclusions about how I want business to fit into my life and how I want business to fit into my employees' lives and how I want money to fit into our lives. Like at the end of the day, how is business going to serve our lives versus us serving our lives to our business is one of the things that I really like to think about. And thank you for sharing that. And in that vein, self-care and habits and rituals, I think are really interesting to learn about and hear about. And even just to pause for a second, I think most people don't think about I'm going to use this in lowercase t because I think people misuse the word trauma a lot, but the the trauma of success. Everyone thinks about how traumatic failure is, but a lot of people don't realize that success has its own pain points and success brings its own navigations. There's actually a book called Leadership Pain that says your capacity to lead is directly proportionate to the amount of pain you're willing to tolerate, which is a really interesting idea. And so you have to build in rhythms of self-care and building kind of your leadership immune system so that you can weather it with joy and with ease and with peace and those types of things. That being said, I want to ask, if I may, an interview you did in 2019, and then you did another interview in 2023, just recently. And I love that they asked the same question and the answer was different. Hmm. And, I, and because part of this is I'm really interested on in how people evolve over time and choose different things for different seasons. And so like in 2019, you were quoted as getting up at like 530. Now in 2023, you get up at like four, I think. And then in 2019, we were quoted as, so you got up at 530, but then you had all these rituals. You like, you did this and you did this and you went to the gym and you did this and you drank the water and you did the thing. And in 2023, it's different. I'd love for you to tell our audience what your current morning routine is and why it's different from what it was in 2019. And not like one's better than the other necessarily, but I just love for them to hear where you are. Yeah, for sure. I think that anything that serves your life, it needs to evolve with your life, right? And I think for me, 2023, this year, it's been a lot of giving myself space. And this is new because I think the past two years, especially with the pandemic and everything that it brought, like I think that so many things had to be reactionary because we were just constantly putting out fires because of chain reactions that we didn't have the space. The space was sucked out of our lives. And this year, I really wanted to be very intentional with creating more space and not packing my schedule. And that includes my morning routine. So my morning routine, I wake up almost without an alarm every single morning because I sleep early and my body wakes me up. And when my body wakes me up, either I'm going to lay in bed or I'm going to do something. So sometimes I wake up at four, I would say anywhere between four to 6.30, I'll wake mm-hmm. up. 
Mm-hmm. And then I pretty much use that time to have quality time with myself. So I take, it's kind of like a date with myself every yeah, day. Yeah. I've been running pretty consistently now for maybe like eight weeks. Before that, last year I did Everest Base Camp, yeah, which was, that. yeah, so you know, like I was do. training for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I didn't realize it was a big deal <laughs> until <laughs> it was a big deal. But yeah, so I was training for that. Well, well, yeah. When you're jogging, what are you rocking in the headphones? Oh, I am listening. I actually listened to one of your episodes of this podcast with George Mumford. Oh, and I'm yeah, listening to so one good. of his books right now. Yeah. And usually I'll run between maybe 20 minutes to maybe 50 minutes. And then I'll walk a little and then I come back. And usually I do my own kind of deep work, whether that's writing. Mm-hmm. I might read my oracle cards for that day. I might mm-hmm. light a, like a stick of incense. It really isn't super rigid. It is... Let's get outside for a little bit. Let's give some time and space for your thoughts. Let's drink some water. Yeah. Let's maybe meander into Whole Foods. Like, <laughs> Yeah. If audiences haven't picked it up, it's worth pointing out that you, at least you occur to me as a voracious learner. And I love that yeah. because, you know, with the dyslexia, you found a way to hack how you're wired. And my guess is you absorb information really well auditorily. Yeah. It was interesting. My first interaction with someone being like, I think you might have ADHD was actually with my first executive coach. And she was like, I think you might have ADHD. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know, maybe. I remember that I have a dyslexia, but my mom denied it because when I came back from doing the test in elementary school, my mom was like, no. And I said, okay, no. (laughs) So that's fine. And my coach was like, but I think it's a superpower. And I was like, I think it's a superpower too. And in that first, because I had my first interaction with that thing being something positive, I've always seen it as something positive. Like me and my friends love escape rooms. I've almost never failed an escape room. Really? And I've done like at least 80. What? Because it's just like you go in there and I love escape rooms. I can go... I'm going to give you my little monologue on escape rooms (laughs) because I love escape rooms. I think that they're great metaphors for life because you go in there, you have a short amount of time, you're there with people you love. And the point is to have a great time with them. The point is to solve things together, to do things together, to experience things together, to explore, to discover, and to just be in bewilderment of this beautiful situation that you've been put in. And it brings in the worst of people. It brings out the best in people. And at the end of the day, it ends, you know, it ends and you just kind of have to let it go. So if we can geek out for a second. So one of our clients is, has the best escape rooms in the country. I'm sure I've done their escape rooms then. Yeah, oh, yeah. I even travel. I travel oh, when awesome. I go to different cities. I went to New York and I did five. Like, Yeah. So when they train their people, their staff, they have psychological profiles developed. So how to give the right amount of hints and how to, you've got like, the problem solver, you've got the funny guy, you've got the the person who takes it really seriously, you've got the collaborator, and they have like these yeah. archetypes. That's so that, funny. Which is really interesting. And then they know how to lead you through the experience. So there's all the psychology that goes behind it, which I think is... And by the way, so what's when you're in it, what's the role that you play? Usually I'm like the organizer if there's a complex problem. I mean, uh-huh. everyone that I play with are really good. Like I can do escape oh. rooms with just my girlfriend uh-huh. and we've never failed with just me and her. So, and they'll be like, you need, we're like, we think we could do it. We think we could do it. Yeah. So I also love about escape rooms is that you can always ask for a hint. And I think that's something about life that people don't take advantage of. You can always ask for a hint. You can always Google something. You can always ask a friend and it's free. Do it. Like, I love this Oprah quote. You get in life what you have the courage to ask for. Oh, that's good. You know, you get in life what you have the courage to ask for. And I think that's so important because it's true. Well, let's park on that for a second because I think it is massively true. And we say oftentimes in our work, we're not here to be a resource. We're helped to activate your resourcefulness. Mm. And and I think one of the things I like about you is seeing how resourceful you are. There's two questions I want to ask you about that. One is, have you always been that way? Have you always been willing to ask for help? Have you always done that? And If not, how did you learn how to do that? My mom is extremely helpful. Like Hmm. she is someone, I have dyslexia, so I'm really bad at spelling. I don't know how many times I've asked her to spell because and believe. Hmm. Like probably like, I don't know, like 
tens, maybe a hundred times. And every Mm -hmm. time she's never been like, I've told you this ever. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, and she loves helping. And very early on, I realized when people get to help you, you're doing a favor for them because they light up. They want to show up for you. That makes them feel like they have a purpose. And I think that's something that you can gift someone. When you ask for help, you're gifting someone an opportunity to do something that makes them feel good. I think that's why I became so successful on Kickstarter because very clearly my call to action was like, please, if you can back this dream, please do. And if you can't, then share it on any form of social media and get the free planner or just share it with anyone that you think could this could help. And it was, I've always been genuine with what I'm asking because I really do believe in what I'm doing. So it doesn't hurt me to ask. Yeah. So I think it's been easy because my mom was super great. And I was always the super helpful kid in class. I was the kid that put, that was put next to the troublemaker to kind of create the safe buffer. (laughs) I would get Valentine's Day cards from the troublemakers and I would be the only person because I was always just trying to help and just be kind. I remember I moved a lot in elementary school and middle school. And a military family, right? Yeah. Well, yes. And because my family was changing in terms of socioeconomics, because my dad, Mm. after he came back from the military, worked two jobs so that we could move out of, I guess, more of like the hood into the suburbs. Like, Mm -hmm. because my brother was already getting in trouble in high school. And Mm. he was like, I don't want to send my daughters to this school that has like police officers constantly there. So he worked two jobs so we could move to the suburbs. He actually didn't tell my mom that he put a down payment on a house, which (laughs) they thought about, Um, but it was probably one of the best things for us. I remember also just being like, if you are kind and someone doesn't like you, it's not on you. And I remember thinking that in third grade because I had to move. What if one call could change what you once thought was impossible into a reality? Novus Global is offering you an exploration call with one of their world-class coaches to explore what you as a leader and your team are capable of. Novus Global is an elite executive coaching firm that works with multi-billion dollar companies, professional athletes, nonprofit leaders in faith and government, all to create teams, companies, and communities that go beyond high performance. Book your call right now just go to novus.global forward slash now. We get you, you got your reps in early. So I want to pivot real quick because I do want to talk about the Passion Planner. And I do want to talk about what you love about it. And you've already mentioned a few things, you know, like a lot of task planners tell you what to do, but not a lot of them tell you why you do. You said it better than that, but that's what I remember. And then... it's <laughs> good. Is it close? Is that get close? It's good. Yeah. Okay. I do want to give you permission to flagrantly sell and advocate for this product that you love that's helped so many people. Because one is it's just fun to see people be in love with something that a lot of people relate to with dread. You know, a lot of people when they think about their planner, they think about this thing they're scared of. It's complicated, it's painful, it's arduous, it's you know, and you just talk about it like it's your favorite meal. So it's like my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And talk to about this th- these things that you love about it. Yeah. So Passion Planner, kind of a big overview is it helps you define your goals clearly. So you have a cl- some clarity around your goals. It helps you break them down into steps and then helps you take those steps and actually time block them into your calendar. So you start working on them now versus waiting for someday that may never come. Yeah. So at the beginning, you do this thing called your Passion Roadmap. Mine looks pretty full, but yeah. it has a section for three months, one year, three years and lifetime. And nice. then you write down everything you want to be, do, and have in those timeframes. Again, I've been doing this for so many years. So every time I do it, it changes. Yeah. And then you think about what is the thing that's going to have the most positive impact in your life. And you break that down to steps. So that's a question. So in the planner, it says, what are the things that are going to have yeah. the greatest impact in your life? And you get to write that down. Yep. And that's what okay. I call your game changer goal. Because it's always different for different people. And then you go into your appointment calendar which mine is kind of sometimes really messy, but that's okay because I have ADHD and that's fine. But your appointment calendar, your weekly layouts have each week has a focus. Each day has a focus. There's an appointment calendar that runs from six in the morning to um, 1030 at night, broken down into 30 minute increments. There are dual uh, personal work to-do lists organized by priority, a quote and a challenge, and then a blank space for you to write anything pertinent for that week. I do want to brag on you a little bit. Two things. One is if you caught it at the beginning, not you, but people who are listening, she read a ton of books 
and then look for patterns. By the way, that's exactly what you do in getting your MBA. All of MBA, all an MBA is, is their case studies and you talk and read a bunch of case studies and it develops your business intuition. And so what you were doing, whether you're realizing or not, it's kind of a karate kid thing like wax on, wax off. You are developing your intuition for organization, structure, execution, strategy, goal setting through reading all this stuff. So then brilliance is going to naturally come out of you. And one of the things that we talk about with our clients is we talk about where do you store your word? I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase before, but so, so yeah, so like, you know, people make commitments all the time and most people mm -hmm. store their word. By the way, this has a point. I'm going to come back to you. Most people store their word in their heads. Like, oh, oh. I'm going to do this someday. or I'm going to do this tomorrow. or I'm going to do this later on today. And your head is the worst possible. I mean, your head is like an acid trip. Your head is like a Rembrandt painting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is not a great place to store anything, including your memories for that matter. So, so you have to get your word out. And most people, if you're lucky, most people get their word out onto like a to-do list. But that, the most powerful place to store your word is your calendar. And what I love about what you've designed is it's a place where you can cathartically get out your word or your commitments or your goals and dreams and then transmit them in the same document into your calendar. And that is brilliant. I, and I love that that's how you've designed it that way. So, so anyway, that's, I didn't want to say that. Then is there anything else you want to share? Because I think there's some other goodies yeah, in there that you want to show us. At the end, so essentially why I designed it this way too is because it gives you buckets for types of information, right? You have oh. it to do, boom. Oh, you have a good thing that happened. We have a good thing that happened section. You just bump, put it right there. And then, nice. oh, you have an appointment, you drop it right there. Oh, you have a random note, you put it right there. And everything is on one page, which I think I... I geek out about. Okay. At the end of each month, you have a monthly reflection. I didn't, this is for the following month because I actually do something kind of weird that I'll share on this, but it's a monthly reflection where it asks you, what are the biggest lessons you've learned? What is the most memorable part? Who you're grateful for? What are things you want to improve on? And actually something that I do in my monthly reflection is I write a thank you letter for the month before it even happens. So I say, mm -hmm. dear April, thank you so much for taking, taking me out into nature every single day. I love that I feel so grateful for every single meal I get to eat. I'm so thankful that you helped me find this thing and this person and this situation. Yeah. And yeah. then I highlight it. I highlight different actionable things and then I deconstruct them and schedule them. That's awesome. So it's kind of like this weird, like double thing. So that's pretty much a clutter. Also in the back, there are little pages that you can write. So like notebook pages, and then there's a pocket that doesn't rip. There's so many things that you just say, like they're little, like they're simple things, but they're so brilliant and they're so wonderful. Like what a beautiful creative exercise to imagine your future bathed in gratitude and then to let that fuel your day-to-day -day actions. That's that's wonderful because in coaching, we do a lot of vision casting and we do like, hey, like get clear on a vision for your future, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think I've ever thought about the idea of writing a letter to your future from a place of deep, profound gratitude and then letting that inform your decisions and your behavior. Like that's wonderful. Yeah, thanks. And yeah, then like, yeah, you go you know, and I yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because like this is something that my friend Danica, who runs this company called Self Care Society, which is an online community based around self care, she introduced mm -hmm. it to me, and I've kind of taken it and like put my own spin on it, which is I deconstruct from it, and then I go in the following month when I do write my monthly reflection and I highlight everything that I've done. And last month I highlighted almost every single thing. Yeah. And that is also just so beautiful because sometimes you don't need to have your goals in front of you all the time. With the intention of this is something that I want, your inner workings are finding solutions. It's yeah. kind of beautiful. It's in the same way where you go to the car dealership and you want to buy a Prius and then you get out of it and you look and all you can see is Priuses. Like yes. that's just... I mean, you're in LA, you're going to see a lot of pieces, but you know uh, what I mean? Like no, you'll yeah. just see so many of the thing that you're looking for, or you've put intention around. And I think using passion planner is really a practice of intentionality. It's an, a practice of being an integrity with yourself because writing your own goals at the first time is usually extremely challenging. It's something that people put off because it's very scary. And for me, it's a practice that I've done at least once every six months. So now I've done it many, 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 many times. And I think when you start to do that, then you start to give yourself grace around not knowing everything. 
and being able to say, okay, right now, this is what feels true to me and I'm going to move forward with it. And maybe in a month it completely changes. And I think having the courage to change is one of the biggest skills that you could have in your life. Yes. I love that. You've given us so much time and I'm I'm loving this conversation. Talk to me a little bit, Angel, about what's next. So like what's on the horizon? You talked about and joked about how you have a new business idea every week. And I know I, I hear you in terms of you're, you're motivated by impact, not necessarily by income. But I'd love to hear some of the things you're dreaming about these days or things that you're allowed to share because I know sometimes you have to be careful about that too. What are some things that you're looking forward to that you're dreaming about? What's going in the journal for the next month? Yeah, so I actually just shared in my event yesterday that I'm writing my book. I started writing my book yes. maybe like a week ago. Yeah. I have an outline, which I think is going good. Yeah. And then I'm going to start just writing it. I don't know when it's going to come out. So yeah. we'll see. But I think the premise is I want to help people who were raised to please their parents or society or an outside force to tap into their inner voice and start to design a life that feels true to them and their dreams. Like that's the premise um, because I think it's something that I've had to do. And even as I think about entrepreneurship, like I fell into being a CEO, like, yes, I wanted to own a company so that I could travel and write, but I went, I can't, I came so far from that. It's taken me nine and a half years to finally get to a point where I can tell my team like, Hey, I want to write. I just want to write and I want to travel and maybe not be the CEO all the time, you know? And I think that that is a big transition after being a CEO for 10 years. And I think that's something that I'm trying to find the courage to do and like step into. And I've adjusted my schedule. So all of my meetings happen on Monday and then I pretty much have most of the week to just write. And I'm just giving myself space and taking away the expectation of when it's going to be done or what it's exactly going to be. And one thing that my executive coach told me was like, just write the thing that you think would heal yourself. Yeah. Like if it heals you, you're going to, it's going to heal other people. It's going to be fine. I and I was like, okay, sounds good. So that's something that I'm working on personally. And also just kind of like separating myself from passion planner. Like I love passion planner and, but I'm also another person that is evolving and changing. And I also don't want to be so, I want to be more trusting. I think talking about trauma when it comes to business, I think a lot of times I've been burned by situations, by people. And because of that, I've, it's been hard for me to trust other people in the business space. I'm really lucky. My CEO is one of my best friends from college. Um, She was in my sorority and she I think is a world-class COO. She's amazing. And she fills all of the gaps of me being someone that's a little disorganized, not a little, pretty disorganized, but kind of organized. It's weird. I'm like a quadruple Virgo, but I'm also (laughs) like with ADHD and dyslexia. So there's that. But she's really good at like keeping things scheduled and creating that mental safety for the team of this is, we can expect these things to happen. And she's great. She's really great at maintaining relationships. And I have struggled with trying to find other people to trust because I'm someone that chronically hired my friends, which I think is sometimes a blessing, but also a curse because you get into situations where people are doing their best, but they're just not fit for the role. And I'm sure other people listening to this podcast have felt that pain and it isn't the, and it sucks because transitioning in and out of things, especially when it's so loaded around the topic of your job, your career, your livelihood is a hard thing. And sidebar, I remember the first time that I had to lay off people because we had shipped all of our planners. We answered all those emails and I was like, we don't have any more work. And this this community of people were just so tight knit. Like we saw each other every day. We put in so much work. And I remember it felt like I had to like disassemble a family Mm. and I was 24, you know, and it was also around the time of Game of Thrones. And it was, they called, the people that got laid off called it the Red Wedding. Yeah, yeah. Well, hold on. And for some people, sorry. So there's an episode of Game of Thrones called the Red Wedding, which is where a bunch of people die. Yeah. And they just get, they, and you don't expect it. And I didn't have a mentor through that to navigate that. And it ruined a lot of my really close friendships. Mm. And it made me first really, really upset, but then it made me realize like what I needed to do differently when it came to employees in terms of creating expectations, in terms of communicating. 
I don't know, I, I learned a lot through experience and a lot of failure, which I think gave me a lot of empathy for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, well, and yeah. companies, you know this, but companies have maturation cycles just like people do. You know, like there's a baby season and there's an adolescent season and then there's a young adult season and an adult season. And and each one brings with it its own challenges, just like probably none of us would like to go through puberty again. Most companies have those pain points. And by the way, I relate to you. So I, my book, I took a three-month sabbatical mm -hmm. in order to do it. And it was a big deal and it was very scary for me. And I had conversations with people. And by the way, probably did a lot of things wrong through that process as you step into a scalable season because books scale really well, as you already know, with your planners. And I'm excited for you to get your ideas on the paper. But there's something really gratifying about seeing a piece of your soul between two hardcover you know, copies of a book. It's going to be great. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. And I just, I think that it's been interesting going so deep into the self-help world and not seeing anyone like me. Like yeah. I am a queer, non-binary person that identifies as both non-binary and a woman. I'm first generation. I made my money through Kickstarter when I was 23. You know, like that is so rare. And I feel like I'm on so, like, I know how it feels like to be extremely poor. And I also know how it feels like to be extremely wealthy at a very young age. And I think that because of this very unique perspective that I've been given in this lifetime, I'm like, oh, I can see why so many people are hurting right now. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and I'm excited to see that get into written form. And I do want to say, as we close, you are such a gift. I love you know, I've lived in LA for 20 years, so I can say I love your energy without it being like a woo-woo thing. <laughs> I've been excited for this conversation and our mutual friend, Christine, was really excited to connect us. And I love your success. I love all the lessons that you're learning. I love that you're evolving. You have been packed with so much to offer and to give. And I think you're only, I think you're only getting started. And so I'm Thank very you. excited about what you do next. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was really yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, I have good time too. Thanks a lot. Thanks. All right, we have a few more things to let you know about before you go. First, podcast reviews really help us serve more people. So if this podcast is helpful for you, we'd love your help to get it into as many leaders' hands as possible. Please leave us a review, even if it's not five stars. And if you really wanna go the extra mile, let us know what you'd like to hear about more of or what you think we could do better to serve you and the people that you care about. Speaking of resources, we have a lot online and they're all free. We have free assessments, educational videos, articles from sources like Fast Company, written by our coaches and clients, all designed to help you use our tools in your everyday life and leadership. To dive into the free treasure trove of goodies we have for you, go to novus.global and then click on resources. Some of you have been listening for a while and you haven't yet taken that next step to hire a coach. This is your time. I can't tell you how often I've heard from clients of ours around the world that they wish they would have talked to us sooner. So if you have a sense that you're capable of more, we would be thrilled to explore what coaching could do for you and those you influence. Simply email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. You might also be listening to this thinking you want to be a coach. Or maybe you already are a coach and you have a vision to build a six or seven figure coaching practice, coaching people you love in a way that brings life to you and your clients. Well, that's why we created the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. It is an in-depth coaching apprenticeship designed to help you create the coaching practice of your dreams. The first step in exploring that is simple. Just go to www.mp.institute. That's MP as in Meta Performance, .institute. And we have free assessments to help you see what kind of training you need to create your coaching practice the way our coaches do at Novus Global. And finally, and for some of you, this will be the most important part. This podcast was produced by Rainbow Creative with Matthew Jones as senior producer, Stephen Selnick as producer, and editors and audio engineers, Drew MacPal and Jeremy Davidson. We love working with this team. To find out more about how to create a podcast for you and your business, check them out at rainbowcreative.co. Thank you so much for listening. We love making these for you. And remember, dare to go beyond high performance.